It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, March 27th. Coming up today... Silicon Valley Bank is sold. We are live with the latest details. The chairman of Saudi National Bank resigns on the heels of a controversial interview with Bloomberg. A top Fed official says banking strains are bringing the U.S. closer to recession. And Twitter suffers a leak of its proprietary source code. Israel's consul general in New York has resigned as protests continue in this country. Plus, a new dangerous drug has New York authorities concerned. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash, Aaron Sports. The Nets lost in Orlando, San Diego State, and Miami advanced to the NCAA Final Four. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin the day with major news in the banking industry. Let's start here in the U.S. where we have a deal to buy Silicon Valley Bank. Bloomberg's John Tucker joins us live with the very latest. Good morning, John. And Nathan, the buyer is First Citizens, based in North Carolina. So what do they get? $119 billion of deposits in all of Silicon Valley Bank's outstanding loans. And that comes at something of a bargain, $72 billion of assets from SVB at $16 billion below their value. Starting this morning, all depositors of SVB and the 17 branches they ran will operate under the First Citizens banner. SVB's failure is going to likely cost the FDIC about $20 billion. Silicon Valley Bank unraveled in less than 48 hours, becoming the biggest U.S. bank to fail in more than a decade. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thanks. Well, regional banks are rallying in the pre-market after that news on SVB. Shares of First Republic leading the way. They're up more than 26%. Sentiment appears to be improving after a report on Friday that U.S. authorities are considering more support for banks. Well, another developing story we're following this morning, Karen, is overseas. Amar al Qadari, the chairman of Saudi National Bank, has resigned. That bank is the largest shareholder in Credit Suisse. Kaderi's resignation follows a Bloomberg interview two weeks ago when our Yusuf Kamal al-Din asked Kaderi if he would offer more support for Credit Suisse. I'm wondering whether you would be open to assisting further if there was another call for additional liquidity from Credit Suisse. The answer is absolutely not, for many reasons, outside the simplest reason, which is regulatory and statutory. We now own um, 9.8% of the bank. If we go above 10%, all kinds of new rules kick in. Now, that was the chairman of Saudi National Bank speaking with Bloomberg's use of Kamal Eldin two weeks ago. And a Credit Suisse stock plunged following those comments. They eventually reached a level where the lender required a takeover by UBS. 
Well, back here in the U.S., Nathan, markets are focused on the banking sector and the risk from Fed policy. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari warns that recent bank turmoil has increased the risk of recession. At the same time, he tells CBS it's too soon to judge what it means for monetary policy. The positive sign is deposit outflows seem to have slowed down. Some confidence is being restored among smaller and regional banks. At the same time, we've seen the capital markets have largely been closed for the past two weeks. If those capital markets remain closed because borrowers and lenders remain nervous, then that would tell me, okay, this is probably going to have a bigger imprint on the economy. And Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari made the comments on Face the Nation from CBS, heard every Sunday on Bloomberg Radio. Meantime, Karen, former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers says he's hoping for more government support for banks. He wants U.S. regulators to back uninsured deposits at any banks that fail in the next year. Summers says it's a move that could help build confidence in the sector. If we can provide near-term assurance with respect to deposits and medium-term Uh, assurance with respect to the appropriateness of uh, regulation, that affords the best prospect of moving through this crisis in an effective way. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers made those comments on Bloomberg's Wall Street Week with David Weston. You can catch the program every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern or download the show wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Nathan Morgan Stanley says the banking turmoil could show up in earnings. Chief U.S. strategist Mike Wilson says earnings guidance is too high in the wake of the banking crisis, and that's putting stocks at risk for sharp declines. Stay tuned for more with Mike Wilson. He joins Tom, John, and Lisa on Bloomberg Surveillance coming up at 7 a.m. Eastern. In corporate news this morning, Karen, Twitter has had a leak. The company says part of its proprietary source code was published online last week. Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport joins us live with the latest. Steve? Good morning, Nathan and Karen. A free speech enthusiast is at the center of this digital whodunit. Twitter says that's the name of an account that published the information on Microsoft's GitHub, which is known for housing open source code. GitHub complied with Twitter's request to remove the data. The platform in a court filing also wants the identity of the person behind the account, as well as the names and other personal information of anyone who shared or downloaded the coding data. The New York Times reports Twitter has launched an internal investigation. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Steve. Turning to politics now, last week came and went with no indication or indictment, rather, of Donald Trump. And now the former president's prediction of violence from his potential arrest is drawing a strong response from former prosecutors. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. A group of more than 175 former federal prosecutors has released an open letter denouncing Donald Trump's incendiary attacks on Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. Uh, Trump has, among other things, predicted death and destruction if he's indicted. The group says Trump is inciting violence. The group says Trump's statements are meant to intimidate Bragg and that a democracy cannot fight crime and criminals if that activity is allowed to happen. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Ed. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's 47 degrees in New York. We should have some rain by this afternoon. We'll go up to near 55. Some of that rain could be mixed with wet snowflakes north and west of the city tonight as we head down to near 40. Time now to look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world with Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Israel's consul general in New York has resigned. Asaf Zamir says the political situation in Israel has reached a critical point, but says his resignation is a move to fight for Israeli people and its future. 
in Tel Aviv. Tens of thousands of Israelis took to the streets early today after Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu fired his defense minister who had spoken out against the government's judicial overhaul plan. Federal and state officials yesterday toured the devastation from Friday's EF4 tornado in the town of Rolling Fork, Mississippi. President Biden has signed an emergency disaster declaration for the area, bringing additional resources from FEMA and other agencies to the state. At least 25 people were killed and thousands are likely displaced following the storm. FEMA Administrator Deanne Criswell. What this major disaster declaration does is it ensures that we can bring in the right resources now to help start the recovery process and support any of the ongoing response actions that may be needed um, in these communities. Criswell says the FEMA aid will help the residents of the hard-hit Sharkey, Humphreys, Carroll, and Monroe counties. The NYPD says officers shot an emotionally disturbed man in the Bronx. It happened yesterday inside a building on Grand Concourse. Warul De La Cruz's father called 911 and told dispatchers his son was having a medical episode. Police say the 42-year-old man came at them with a knife. De La Cruz was taken to a local hospital and is in critical condition. There are warnings about a dangerous new street drug. It's a legal animal tranquilizer, also called Trank, coming into the country through China and Mexico. Unlike an opioid, Narcon does not reverse its effects. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is calling on the DEA to send a diversion control team to the New York City area to stop its sale and distribution. Xylazine. It's a deadly, skin-rotting, zombie drug that evil drug dealers are now mixing with fentanyl, with heroin, and with other drugs. Schumer says the drug has already caused death and overdoses in upstate New York. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Time now for our Bloomberg Sports Update, and for that, we bring in John Stashower. Thanks, Nathan. The NCAA tournament's gone from 68 teams down to the Final Four. There are no one, two, or three seeds remaining. There's a four, two fives, and a nine. Three of the teams heading to Houston will be in their first Final Four. That's unprecedented. San Diego State with a one-point win over Creighton. The Aztecs won it on a free throw with one second left. Will now take on Florida Atlantic. Miami then came from 13 down in the second half to knock off Texas. The Hurricanes will meet UConn. The Huskies, the only one of the Final Four that has a history of being there. Nets lost at Orlando, 119-106. The Knicks are back home tonight to play Houston. Match play golf. The anticipated final was Rory McIlroy against Scotty Scheffler, except both lost in the semifinals in matches that went to a playoff. So they did play, but in the consolation match, McIlroy won. The final was won easily by Sam Burns, 6-5 over Cameron Young. Yankees beat the Blue Jays. Johnny Brito pitched into the sixth inning, did not allow a hit. Looks like he's going to be the fifth starter due to all the injuries in the rotation. The Yankees opening day shortstop Thursday in the Bronx will be rookie Anthony Volpe. Here's how Aaron Boone broke the news to the 21-year-old. You know, we talked about the start of this being a competition, and, and you killed it. But at the end of the day, you got 20-something games at AAA. There's always room for development, but at the end... I think that development should happen in the big leagues. Welcome to New York. Okay, will be an opening day Yankee shortstop at the same age Derek Jeter was in 1996. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? 
With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager on a morning where we're watching bank stocks move higher following the deal for First Citizens to buy Silicon Valley Bank's assets after a couple of weeks that have really shaken confidence in the U.S. banking system. Joining us live now is Dennis Gartman, chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee and the former publisher of the Gartman Letter. Dennis, good morning. Will this purchase by First Citizens help to restore confidence in the system? There's no question that that's what's happening this morning. There, there's a, a lesser amount of disconcertion in the markets, a greater amount of optimism in the markets. The fact that uh, we have taken uh, uh, Silicon Valley Bank off of the uh, the watch list for all intents and purposes is, is a is a great uh, change. There was a change that was occurring. You could see it. You could almost feel it on Friday when, um, for for technical purposes. Many of the bank stocks, many of the REITs made uh, new lows and then closed higher on the day, reversing to the upside, which is something that I watch uh, very closely. It was as if the uh, the uh, worst had, had occurred, the, the selling had uh, washed itself out, and, and now you've got a, a bounce coming. So we'll see. But, yes, there's a greater sense of optimism this morning than there had been for, for a while. At least there was no more uh, bank collapses over the weekend and, and the fact that uh, – so the one major bank that had been problematic had been taken off the uh, the watch list and put on the sidelines is is uh, is very important. So yes, there's a a greater sense of optimism than we've seen in quite some period of time. Do you expect that optimism to last, Dennis? Probably not. Uh, I, I really don't think so. I think that we are heading towards recession. I think that the the Fed's monetary policies are uh, have been a, re, very tight and and, and recessionary in, in orientation. And therefore, I think that the stock prices make new and newer lows. But for, for a while, for a week or two or three, we're going to get a bounce. So I, I think that this bounce is one that if you're long, you should use this, this bounce, this uh, return of a sense of optimism to uh, reduce the, your exposure as best you can. No, I don't think it'll last very long. Yeah, it sort of echoes the comments we heard over the weekend from the uh, president of the Minneapolis Fed, Neil Kashkari, who had been uh, turning pretty hawkish uh, when it comes to fighting inflation, now saying that uh, he also sees a potential for a risk uh, for a U.S. recession. Do you think that this banking crisis could lead to a change in the policy path for the Fed? I, if you'd have asked me six weeks ago, I'd have said that we were going to have 50 basis points in the last meeting, then 25, 25, and 25. Obviously, that has changed. We had 25 this past meeting. We'll probably get two more 25 basis point increases, and therefore the the terminal rate has been reduced by about 50 basis points from where I thought it would be six weeks ago. So yes, there's some some change. It's not material, uh, but there there's a change. It's it's not quite as uh, manifestly over manifestly. The recessionary as it had been, but nonetheless, we're going into recession. Interesting, because well, obviously a lot of the pricing we're seeing in the market now is that we could have a Fed cut 
potentially as early as June. Is the market wrong about this? If so, why? Uh, I, I think the odds of getting a cut by June are, are borderline zero, to be to be quite honest. The Fed has uh, made it abundantly clear that they continue to fight inflation. Uh, they're they're going to continue to tighten, and it'll be months, maybe a year, before after they've reached the terminal rate of uh, wherever that terminal rate shall be, which is probably another 50 to 75 basis points higher than where it is right now, then the Fed will do nothing for a long period of time, perhaps six months to a year. So I think it'll be a long period before the Fed begins the process of actually reversing the, the tightening and, 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 and allowing the overnight Fed funds rate to decline. It'll be a long period of time before that happens. So you don't see the possibility then that if we do start to see uh, financial conditions tighten up, that uh, lending standards pull back uh, within some of these regional banks that the Fed could change course? Got about a minute left here, Dennis. I think the odds of the Fed changing its policy and, and beginning to, to allow the overnight Fed funds rate to decline is is a long way into the future. If I've learned anything in nearly 50 years of being involved in the markets, it's when the Fed has begun the policy of tightening monetary policy or the policy of easing monetary policy. It takes rates much farther and for a longer period of time than anybody wants to dream of is going to happen. So I think it'll be at least 2024 before we start to see the overnight Fed funds rate begin to decline. It'll be a long period of time, so be patient and and be uh, a little bit depressed about that. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.